Human beings are social animals, as it seems I talk about every other talk. We are provided our great survival advantage by or through our capability to bond and coordinate and stay connected with each other. And this process is not just born of language, the ability to express our ideas and our life stories to each other. And the image we want to convey about ourselves and our concerns about our reputation, the right hemisphere of the brain connects with other people through emotional activations, through expressions of our basic affects, sadness, joy, loss, anger, frustration, shame. The emotions that we feel are not just there to push us to do something, like fear compels us to run, or anger compels us to confront some form of threat or injustice. But our emotion allows us to connect. If we didn't, if there was no social function for emotions, they would be simply felt internally as feelings. But emotions are actually conveyed or expressed on the outside of the body. And convey to the people that are important to us our state of being. So while we use language to connect with other people and express our plans, our emotional expressions on our face, our body language, our tone of voice, is the way we signal whether we feel well-connected, whether we feel disappointed, whether we feel frustrated. It's an entire language in and of itself. So we're constantly connecting in two ways. While I talk to you, if we were having a conversation, you would be listening to my words, but your right hemisphere would be monitoring my facial expression, seeing what I was signaling to you. Am I signaling to you confidence or lack thereof? And I, am I signaling to you uh, honest, transparent, authentic, expression of an idea, or am I signaling to you fear, anxiousness, concern, doubt? So we're also deeply wired to experience feelings of shame and embarrassment when we encounter or when we act upon selfish motivations. One-year-old babies who were shown a puppet play where one puppet steals the marble of another puppet the babies saw that and were alarmed and, sh and exhibited distress. And the researchers uh, theorize that to a certain degree, moral disquiet is hardwired into the brain transculturally across all beings because maintaining strong, secure social ties is so systematically important to us uh, in terms of our survival. It's so important that it's hardwired. And of course, though, a large degree of exactly what causes moral disquiet is not only hardwired, but learned by the models we see of our parents, our teachers, our siblings, our peers. So we learn from watching other people what we consider to believe appropriate behavior and what is inappropriate behavior. But one thing is absolutely for certain, as the great uh, psychologist Matthew Lieberman in his book Social shows, 
when we experience something that causes a sense of disconnection with other people or threatens the tribe we're connected to or in some way seems selfish or antisocial, we are all wired to feel emotional pain. They even know the exact regions of the ACC, the anterior cingulate cortex, in the right hemisphere that activates when we experience some form of embarrassment, shame, guilt, or remorse, or feelings of being ostracized or abandoned. So we have circuits that essentially create discomfort. And no, no state of, a mo of social disruption is more uncomfortable than tonight's topic, which is attempting to keep secrets. Secrets are, or can be, uh, acknowledgement of some antisocial or unskillful behavior that we haven't acknowledged or uh, admitted, or it can simply be withholding important feelings, emotions, or impulses that would be uh, of our benefit to let other people know. For instance, we could be in a relationship and we could ha be having doubts about the quality of the relationship or whether we are uh, well suited for it, or we could have... Um, Feelings of anger towards a roommate that is going unexpressed. Keeping secrets is a surefire way to create dysfunction. Anita Kelly of Notre Dame, an important psychologist, did a study on people who conceal, and she found that, that concealing creates anxiety and depression. Penna Baker of the University of Texas showed that when people hold secrets, they experience hypertension and they develop reduced immune function. No greater an expert than Vince Gilligan. Who's he? Yeah. Vince Gilligan is the creator of Breaking Bad. Uh, he said that the entire secret of his show, Breaking Bad, which made it so addictive, was watching a character trying to keep an important secret. In other words, he was secretly dealing methamphetamine, but trying to keep that from his family and from his friends. And the tension is so easy for us to empathize, because at one point in our life, we have all kept important secrets, and we have all experienced the negative side effects that come from withholding uh, information. What happens when we keep a secret is actually really quite simple when you get to have a working rudimentary understanding of the brain. The right hemisphere of the brain, as we talked about, is set up to express emotions and to express its feeling states and be seen by other people. So when we withhold something, the right hemisphere desperately wants to express it so that the emotion that we've been repressing associated with that experience can be seen and witnessed. So half of the brain essentially wants to spill the beans. But the left hemisphere, your conceptual mind that's conscious and worried about your reputation and what your social image is and what other people will think, 
will be terrified and alarmed at the idea and will engage upon a uh, agenda of suppression. Because while on the one hand emotionally we want to be seen and understood by others, the narrative structures that maintain our sense of identity, who we are, what other people think about us, and how important it is to be to look cool and perfect, is uh, desperately doesn't want to have the secret be known. We actually see this struggle throughout our culture today. When I was growing up in the late 70s and starting to date, uh, the way... I'm taking you on a journey to another universe, by the way. <laughs> what would happen, this is around 1980, if you would want to ask somebody out, you actually had to use your imagination. You'd have to go up to them in person, and you would actually have to risk abandonment, rejection, and a sense of uh, you know, shame, and you would have to say, oh, would you like to go you know, uh, out? <laughs> and it was a terrifying endeavor, one ripe with the possibility of failure. Today, though, in a culture where everything is mediated through texts and posts and through uh, uh, roundabout communication, uh, we have uh, now developed people that are terrified of having their emotions seen. And in fact, people now... Uh, play a game in relationships where they're the, not the one who expresses interest. It seemed to be uh, an endemic belief that it's better to uh, play it cool and delay having the conversation where we acknowledge the fact that we have actually developed some feelings for another person. Out of the terror that they might not feel the same way. Anyway, <laughs> so what that sets up is a war between our right emotional hemispheres. Most people, about 75% of the population is either secure or anxious. In other words, they want intimate emotional connection. And so those people's emotional minds are set up to try to seek intimacy and love. But on the other hand, their left hemispheres can be terrified of the idea of saying it aloud, and so will hint at their interest around or beat around the bush or sort of leave hints because they don't want to say aloud their level of uh, commitment. So when it comes to secrets, it's a war between the part of the mind that wants to be seen authentically known and the part of the brain that desperately wants to maintain uh, a, a cool, uh, aloof uh, reputation unsullied by the, uh, the difficulties of, of raw, very human emotions. The problem is, is that keeping secrets actually doesn't work. Now, you might say, but wait, I've kept secrets pretty well, but actually nobody keeps secrets well. The emotional brain takes about one-tenth of a, a second to uh, express that something's amiss. The cognitive thought-based left hemisphere requires about a half-second to try to 
overwhelm or suppress what has been already signaled for four-tenths of a second. In other words, your thoughts are slow circuits of the brain. Your emotions are fast circuits. When you have a feeling of shame, embarrassment, worry, concern, anxiousness, guilt, it will have signaled itself visually on your face in about one-tenth of a second, and the thought, oh, no, I don't want them to see this, will rise significantly later. And that four-tenths of a second difference, another person's right hemisphere, if they're looking at you, will pick up, and they will feel a disconnect between what you're saying and what you're doing. They will know something's amiss. You've all had that happen when you have a conversation with somebody and they say, I'm fine, or everything's okay, and you know that's exactly the opposite of the truth because they've signaled to you that through their body language and facial expression and tone of voice that things are not okay. That's because the emotional mind is faster than the rational mind. Uh, it creates superficial relationships based on lack of trust the more we withhold secrets because the more we withhold an important secret from someone the more we are signaling emotions that will not uh, congeal or match up to the words we're saying and the other people will not trust us Evan Imber Black an important child psychologist show that when children start are told to keep secrets by their parents due to family violence, family abuse, alcoholism, drugs, the child at the point when the parent tells the child not to talk about what's going on in the family, at that moment the child's development and emotional growth stops. They stop being able to make connection at school, they stop being able to express their feelings to other people. The moment you tell a child you cannot talk about this is the moment that child's interpersonal development and emotional growth freezes. That's how damaging secrets can be. When we keep secrets undisclosed, they become dysregulated, which means they seem darker and darker and worse and worse. Because there's nobody there to normalize and say, hey, everybody has experienced that or done that. One example of so many, about 20 years ago in a 12-step program, I was listening to somebody give their fifth step, and he, made, uh, he basically gave the fifth step, and he said, well, there's one thing more, but I can't talk about it. And I said, well, it's not really going to be that worthwhile for you if you're withholding this thing, the whole point of, of a fifth step is the catharsis of acknowledging one's secret so that you can get, you can relieve all that stress. And he's like, yeah, but you'll hate me. I'm like, well, trust me, I've done some pretty crazy things. I was an addict alcoholic for 20 years. There's not much that slipped beneath my moral radar. I don't know how to do that. Anyway. Uh, so after this back and forth, he's long gone, you'll never know who this person is, I'm not really, <laughs> anyway, he said, he essentially uh, got a blowjob from a guy at a bar one night when he was drunk. Uh, really? <laughs> Couldn't you have come up with something, you know, 
good or unusual. <laughs> That's the most milk toast. That's the most normal. I, I, I was, I, I couldn't conceal my disappointment. I was, I was like, you really thought I was gonna hate you for that? But because he had, he had never talked to anybody about it for 15 years, it grew in his consciousness to this indictment of himself as a human being. Probably was raised in a very homophobic environment and internalized and interjected those. I certainly can empathize with that. Um, somebody else the other night was uh, in the exercise of revealing secrets. She said, uh, uh, I, I love this story. When she was a child, uh, she went with her sister to this doctor who would give all the children uh, candy and gum if they were good at the end of the appointment. This was back when doctors rewarded children with sugar <laughs> for going to the doctor. But anyway, so uh, her sister got a lollipop, but she didn't get any gum. So out of horror and, and jealousy and envy, she waited until the doctor's back was turned and grabbed this gum from the basket and shoved it in her pocket, and then was so ashamed she stuck it in the car seat where it wouldn't be found, so she didn't even get to enjoy it, and for years withheld it from her parents. And then as she grew older, it became the sign of, of something being terribly wrong with her. A few pieces of gum from a doctor who would have given it away happily. So what we don't reveal can turn into a great sense of personal shame and a sense of something monstrous inside of us. In AA, there's a saying, you're only as sick as your secrets. And in my experience, it's very true. That which we are most reluctant to share becomes that which creates our greatest sense of shame and inadequacy. Because when we express aloud our feelings, traumas, and emotions to others, what other people do is they normalize the experience. Normalizing only happens when we express aloud that which is difficult. And it's important not just for secret, uh, you know, little, you know, shameful events, but really for all the emotions that uh, don't fit the social expected plan. For instance, in our culture, when people have, when parents have children, they're expected to always be thrilled. Oh, you must be so exciting having your third child. And of course, a, a large part of them would be excited and would be happy, but they would be completely inauthentic if they didn't feel some feelings of, what the hell have I done? Oh my God, now I've got 18 more years of servitude and financial stress. And there's mixed feelings when people get engaged. We say, oh, you must be so happy. When's the big day? So we're legislating that they must be happy. But any big event, there's multiple emotions such as fear, anxiety, worry. What does cohabitation entail? So in our culture, we tend to legislate appropriate feelings and inappropriate ones. And we all learn which feelings or emotions other people will deem odd 
or unexpected, and we develop these processes of withholding that create inauthenticity and awkwardness and eventually social anxiety. The more we feel we cannot express our emotions aloud to other people, the more anxious we become in different social settings. Additionally, secrets have the really uh, deleterious effect of maintaining the most negative expectations of other people. To, not withhold, to withhold something that's a normal emotion or a very human experience and not share it with other people means we have to believe that other people will shame or reject or judge us. There's no other reason to withhold other than developing such expectations of others. So while we withhold, we're essentially allowing our worst views of other people, our least supportive expectations, our least generous uh, views of humanity to rule the day. And we're not allowing other people to prove us wrong. In withholding, we are creating the most negative world around us. And finally, not only does uh, secrets cause a spike in anxiety and addiction, but it also doesn't us allow us to even examine what's beneath the secrets that we've been holding for so long. I was talking with a friend who was revealing to me that on one of the retreats he was uh, experiencing a uh, grandiose feeling that he was far superior to everybody else on the retreat. <laughs> and of course, because it was a Buddhist retreat, he was ashamed to acknowledge that feeling. And now, this is a totally understandable feeling, especially because it's what's known as compensatory. People experience grandiose, narcissistic ideations because secretly they feel unworthy. They feel less than, they feel unloved, and so they compensate those feelings by developing grandiose fantasies of superiority. So, but so long as he withheld the grandiosity, there was no way for him to have that confirmed that what was beneath the grandiosity was in fact feelings of being less than, feelings of being unloved. So while we withhold, we don't allow ourselves the possibility of asking, why did I do that selfish act? What was the underlying feelings that propelled that emotion? So revealing or disclosing is cathartic. As one great psychologist, Winnicott, said, when patients arrive in therapy, the therapeutic main event that's healing is when the therapist simply speaks aloud the secret that the patient has been waiting for somebody to say aloud. In other words, we all show up if we enter into therapy having a secret that we dare not express aloud to ourselves or others. And we go to therapy simply to have a loving figure express our true feelings, our true experience aloud. That's why, the, as Freud said, the cathartic moment is when that which has been kept secret is disclosed. The Buddha, 
in the Siglavada and Mita Suttas said the core of spiritual development is finding a real friend. What's a real friend, he says? It's someone who tells you their secrets and listens to yours in confidence and doesn't abandon you throughout. So the Buddha is simply saying that the foundation of spiritual practice is finding someone or a community that we can express our secrets to. Rahula, his son, when he was giving his son the, his life lessons, he said, the most important thing to remember is that any secret thought or inclination that causes suffering should be acknowledged to a teacher or a wise friend. Now, in Buddhism, this, conf this acknowledgement of secrets is not a form of confession. Confession in Judeo-Christian and theistic practices is there to essentially acknowledge aloud something we've done so that God can judge us and punish us. The Buddha talks about acknowledging to reduce what, he, what is called hiri, the shame of withholding the truth from other people. So the role of acknowledging in Buddhist practice is not for any god or anyone else to judge us, but simply to alleviate the stress of keeping our experience from others. Disclosing can be safely done at 12-step meetings, therapeutic environments, sanghas. We want to be careful that we don't re-traumatize ourselves by finding the right time, making sure that somebody is attentive and available, stating our needs, which might be to simply ask that the person listen and not comment. Incremental disclosure is slowly revealing step by step until you get to the point where you're revealing the secret that is the most difficult to acknowledge. Strategies for revealing a secret to one person, that a specific person that we've been withholding a truth from. It could be a parent, a lover, a roommate, a friend. Um, rehearsal is considered to be skillful, which means to find supportive people to rehearse how you're going to say it, to even write it out. There are some unskillful approaches, however. Unskillful approach number one is called the third-party revelation which is finding a mutual friend that you know will spill the beans and telling them and then acting surprised when the intended target finds out. That is not skillful. Leaving evidence around. People generally do that unconsciously rather than acknowledge that they're losing interest in a work environment or relationship. And finally, indirect revelation, relying on email, text messages, or so forth. Why is that not skillful? Well, unless the other person is physically or verbally dangerous, in which case it's utterly fine to not say anything, but if somebody is, if we're simply avoiding uh, a disagreeable emotional experience, by not revealing our secret or our uh, unexpressed emotion in person, we're denying ourselves the growth, the emotional growth of showing ourselves that we can authentically, genuinely state our 
experience, our feelings, and that, in fact, we can not only survive, but that we have nothing to be ashamed of, that it's part of a human adult life. When we do it by text or email, we're still keeping in, uh, we're not only depriving the emotional mind of its need to be emotionally seen by the other, but we're still maintaining uh, those fears of judgment, those fears of conflict. And conflict avoidance is very unhealthy. Uh, one psychologist named Pennebaker says that if we really struggle revealing secrets, sometimes simply saying them aloud in private or writing them down has been shown to have positive effects and that it prepares the mind to go the full distance. So, to move into the uh, second part of tonight, uh, I'm going to reveal to you a secret or two, and then uh, I'm going to ask you to reveal a secret. And you don't have to reveal, you don't have to if you don't want to, you don't have to raise your hand, and you don't have to reveal something that you've never revealed before. You can reveal something that you, other people already know as a way to, uh, you know, uh, uh, just help other people hear that it's okay to be, to live transparent, open lives. So here are my two secrets. Uh, one of my favorite. Uh, it took me years to acknowledge this to my mother when I was sober. I used to, on a weekly basis, go into her handbag and grab rumpled dollar bills so that I could buy pot throughout my entire high school years. And I also spent almost all of the money that she spent me, sent me for food on drugs and alcohol. All of this I acknowledged to her, and she promptly acknowledged that she knew, because... <laughs> given the fact that I was regularly in detox and uh, hospitals, that didn't escape her attention. <laughs> also, when I was uh, 26 years old, uh, despite growing up in a family where my parents modeled, if nothing else, uh, the one thing they modeled was fidelity in their relationship, an insane relationship, but one where they were committed to each other. So at one uh, part of my uh, life during the heavy cocaine years, I tried to have two girlfriends at the same time, which I didn't admit, and it nearly drove me to a nervous breakdown. <laughs> I was so incapable of withholding from each the existence of the other to the point where I essentially ran away from one of the relationships, just disappeared because I was so... Uh, distraught, and years later I tracked her down and explained what had happened. She was very nice and forgiving about it, but I still felt a great degree of shame around it. So, those are a couple of secrets. <laughs> now what we need is someone who's really brave, and you can say any secret you want, no matter how big or small, no matter how old, but the role is to as a community, to give ourselves the opportunity to uh, show each other that uh, expressing secrets is healthy and helps us feel more connected. So who will join? Hi.